Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Uh, it's so glad to be uh, hosting again and having an opportunity to talk to Dr. Ian Paul as we continue our series on prayer. Of course, I'm joined by uh, Dr. Peter Capster in studio. Peter, welcome back. Thanks, Bill. It's been an uh, interesting series so far. Really looking forward to today as well. Well, I think uh, we're on the right track with uh, some of our, our guests that we've had for our Salvation Series. Really nice to uh, have Dr. Ian Paul back on. He's with us on Skype this Great morning. Thanks, uh, Ian. So the subject of prayer is about as big a subject as you can get. And I was thinking, as we just get this series kind of off and running, I was interested about your take on how would you explain the foundations of prayer to, like, a new believer? Because I would imagine a new believer would show up and say, oh, good, so this prayer thing is going to help me solve all my problems. Hmm. Yes, uh, in one sense it is. Um, I think that one of the things I struggle with when I first came to faith is actually understanding what's going on. And uh, I was taught techniques. So I was taught to uh, do certain things. Um, one of the acronyms that I was given was, which, which was actually helpful, was, was the word ACTS, as in Acts of the Apostles. So A, C, T, and S. So that's adoration. So praising God for who he is. Thanksgiving. Thanking God for the things he's done for us. Um, sorry, confession. <laughs> AC, get in the right order. AC, <laughs> get in the right order. Confession. Saying sorry for things I've done wrong. Thanksgiving, thanking God, and then supplication, which is just a big fancy word for asking God for things. Now, I have to say, in one sense, that was helpful uh, in that it gave me a framework. So I wasn't just scrabbling around wondering what was going to happen. But these frameworks are only helpful so far, because in the end, if prayer is part of our relationship with God, then in a sense, we need to be natural and say, well, what do you do in a relationship? In, in a relationship, you, you talk uh, and you listen. And you expect some sort of uh, interaction. So I guess in the same way where you might say to someone, someone might say, well, how do I start a relationship? You might say to them, well, here's a technique for opening a conversation. Here's a technique for building relationships. But in the end, it's not the technique that matters. It's actually the relationship. So sometimes we need that kind of bridge and encouragement. But sometimes we actually need to know this is this is a relationship. And we talk to God and God talks to us. Another way of thinking about prayer is that prayer is a little bit like breathing in the spiritual life and again you can you can be taught techniques to breathe well but actually in the end what matters is your breathing and the oxygen coming in and, and, and then the air coming out again so i would want to say to a new believer well here's some things you could do but i really also want them to understand what prayer is about and i'd also want to encourage them to say look if you're not used to praying then then it may, might seem strange at first but like many things in life like building relationships prayer comes with practice and over time my experience has certainly been that move you know from my stumbling beginnings and needing this kind of guidance actually what i found is that prayer becomes a natural part of life so when i wake up i find myself praying when i i walk walk our dog with a lovely dog called barney and i find myself praying as i walk down the street and i i remember the neighbors who i'm walking past i say lord will you bless this person will mm. you remember this person's need will you it becomes a natural and integral part of life so um, so, and, and that's, I want to encourage people in that way. I find that really inspiring, Ian. So thanks for sharing that. You know, when I talk to people and they are, uh, 
praying or they're asking for prayer, they usually bring up their immediate problem. And their problems uh, are usually um, temporal, which I understand completely. I don't very seldom hear somebody say, you know, I have been lacking gratitude uh, to God for the fact my name is written in the book of life. Would you help me and pray for me that I'm more grateful for things like that? You, you almost never hear that. Um, I don't know. The I think the questions that people often ask me are, are just finding words. And one of the things that's really striking in my tradition in the Church of England, then are and in my evangelical tradition, on the one hand, part of that says, look, we should be able to pray extemporarily and just sort of, you know, say to God whatever we think. Um, on the other hand, we're also not praying on our own. You know, the saints before us have prayed, the saints around us pray all the time. And uh, I also find it helpful to use um, the words of, of prayers that other people have written as well. And that gives me a way into the conversation. Um, and also other people have thought more profound things and more profound ways of saying things to God that, than I often have. Um, and sometimes, the, you know, there's a tendency to say, oh, you can't use formal set prayers. That's crazy. If you love somebody, then, you know, if you're in a relationship, surely you should be able to express that for yourself. Well, I have to notice that, um, you know, the person I love, the human being I love most of all, my wife, who's sitting opposite me here, the most important things I ever said to her were the words that somebody else had written when I said my marriage vows. Uh, and so actually, you know, you can, uh, you, can, you can find words for yourself as part of a relationship, but you can also use the words that others have, have used. And that's why the scriptural prayers, I think, are so important. One, I think one of the things I found really transforming, transformative in my prayer life when I was a young Christian was I read a book uh, by a guy called uh, John White, and it was called People of Prayer. And it was a, a study of key prayers through the Bible. Uh, one of the great studies was on the, the prayer of Abraham in uh, Genesis chapter 18, where, where he's pleading with God to be merciful to Sodom and Gomorrah. And another of the great prayers was Daniel, uh, Daniel's prayer, uh, where he's praying for his nation. And I can still remember things I learned from that. One of the great things from Daniel's prayer was that he didn't pray for his people that God should forgive their sins as if he was on the outside and wasn't part of it. He, he prayed to God and said, forgive us. So I learned something there in from prayer about about we identify with people we we pray for. And that's the way to to pray well for folk is to to is to care for them, be concerned for them, allow that love to to to, to drive them. I don't know if I've answered your question there, Bill. But, uh... Well, no, I, I I think you did a beautiful job of um, helping me with that uh, perspective I was I was having. Um, so, no, I, I, I appreciated that very much. Yeah, and Ian, I'd be curious, too, when you talk a little bit about formal prayer and uh, and just even written out prayers, maybe some of our listeners are familiar with the idea of the Book of Common Prayer. It's not something that is really popular stateside, but certainly within the Anglican yeah. Church and in and, and the UK it might be. So can you give us a little sense of what the Book of Common Prayer is and, and how it might be used and, and just your thoughts on the effectiveness of it as a community prays through that? Yeah, the Book of Common Prayer for the Church of England is actually different from the Episcopal Church in the States in that we, we continue to use the, the, the prayer book from 1662. Now, one of, the, one of the strange things about it is it's written in uh, Shakespearean language. That takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, funnily enough, I had a strange journey. So when I, I, I came from a Roman Catholic background, and in one sense that had a strength of uh, the formal structures of prayer. But actually, my own faith hadn't come alive when I was part of that church. And so I, pr the prayers didn't really connect with me. 
then I came to faith in an evangelical Anglican church. So, so that's when I began to be taught about prayer as part of relationship and, and having disciplines and patterns of prayer, which would really help to build my life. And I was actually, when I first came to faith, I was really conscientious. I remember having a, a chart that I was given in seven days of the week and different people to pray for and things to do. And that was great to give me a structure. But the, the danger of that is it gives you a burden as well at the same time. So you've got to have those structures that work for you. Then when I went to university, I studied in Oxford. And I went to a, a, a very informal, a charismatic church where people were exercising the gifts of the spirit and speaking in tongues and, and, and prophesying. And the strange thing that happened to me was during that time, I found myself using the 1662 Book of Common Prayer as my daily devotional. And the, the assumption, the pattern there really derives from a monastic pattern. So formally speaking, in the Church of England, we have a pattern of morning prayer, midday prayer and evening prayer. And then you might also um, celebrate communion uh, around that as well. And I found that using those prayers, it rooted me in the faith of the church so that as I was praying to God, I was also being formed in the faith of the saints who've gone before. One of the things about the Book of, Book of Common Prayer, and people do struggle with it, is that it's got a very big emphasis on sin and forgiveness. Um, I remember when I was teaching in theological, theological college for half a term each year, we'd use the Book of Common Prayer and we'd actually begin before breakfast and we'd be there confessing our sins and bewailing our manifold sins and wickedness. And the burden of them is too heavy. And somebody turned to me once and said, hey, it's only eight o'clock in the morning. I haven't had a chance to sin yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but it was it was what I would call a uh, the phrase I, I don't know if this makes sense I'd call it a, a straightening experience where you really are honing your spiritual life down to the things that matter. Am I rooted in the scriptures as God's word? Am I am I being conscientious about my love? Am I really seeking God and His holiness? Uh, one of the prayers that it, it, it did kind of make me laugh. One of the prayers we say in the Book of Common Prayer it's called the Benedicite, and it, end, it ends with this in, this prayer to God. Keep me this day, vouchsafe to keep me this day from all sin. And I'm thinking, if I pray that in the morning, I know that's a prayer God's not going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to get through the day without sinning. And yet, and yet, it's saying, well, look here, this, this is an amazing goal. Isn't this an amazing aspiration that I begin the day, I pray to God, God, keep me walking in holiness of life. So... That I've just, I just found that was a fantastic discipline, which complemented the other kinds of prayer I was experiencing uh, in in the church. And, and people still use the the Book of Common Prayer. I use it from time to time as well, as well as you know using some of the more, more set prayers in um, uh, in the modern language versions. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ian Paul is our guest. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with lots more. You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be joined by Dr. Ian Paul, who's a theologian, an author, and a speaker, a consultant. He's an adjunct professor. He kind of does it all. He's also a chocolate lover. Peter, you knew that, didn't you? Uh, well, I'm just learning it now. But, but Ian, do you like actual British chocolate, which is real chocolate, or some sort of Hershey's masquerading version here from the stateside? Oh, Peter, you've really put me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> am I am I allowed to say I can't stand American chocolate without offending all your American listeners? No, I mean, not at all. It, it, it's it's a taste thing, I'm afraid, and I'm afraid I really I, I really like Belgian chocolate, and I really like in the well. Actually, one thing that will endear me to your listeners is I love Mars chocolate because I actually used to work for Mars. <laughs> so, so I used to make Bounty Maltesers and Galaxy. Well, they, they might have different names in America. I think. Yeah, they probably do. Yeah, indeed. 
So, Ian, when we think about how we approach God in prayer, and we, we usually uh, always come with this, you know, the, the ACTS you talked about, uh, which mm. is a great acronym. I think I learned that when I was in grade school as well, and I thought that was a wonderful uh, starting point. Um, and then I think as uh, I am, have this ambition to have God hear my prayers, and I pray that they get answered the way I ask, which is sometimes really foolish, right? Because mm. I've sometimes tried to sell God on the idea that if you answer these prayers— here are some of the good results that are going <laughs> to happen as a result. And I think, boy, am I not very bright. <laughs> yeah, and, and the real danger. I guess one of the one of the anxieties sometimes we feel is that um, is it worth it? Is it worth is, is worth us praying? Will, will God listen to us? Do we have faith that we'll, we'll, we'll hear God answer? And I guess for me, one of the things that's helped me is to recognize that actually our this sounds may sound odd. Our prayer actually begins in God, so that the Spirit of God is at work in us, um, stirring up prayer in us. So Paul talks in Romans chapter 8, he talks about, you know, the Spirit too is, is groaning and groaning with us. We, we don't always know how to pray, but the Spirit is work, uh, at work in us. And in fact, I would say to anybody who, who comes to me and says, well, t- tell me a bit more about prayer, I would say, well, the first thing is, look, you want to know more about prayer. So, so God is already at work in you, doing something and, and drawing you to himself. If you desire to pray, if you desire to know how to pray more, then, then God is already at work. So let, let's start with that. Uh, I think the second thing is that our prayer needs to be rooted in who God is and what he's promised. So that's why I think prayer and, and reading scripture uh, always go together because in scripture we hear God speaking to us and teaching us and, and revealing new things to us about him and, and and as the scriptures come alive by his spirit then that leads us into prayer um, I've, I've had a, a really interesting experience the last couple of years on my blog I just felt God was saying to me that I needed to write about um, the, the gospel readings each week we, we you know we sometimes use a lectionary with set set readings so quite a few churches in the uk and, and around the world actually will be reading the same thing together so god said to me i think you i want you to write every week uh, a, an exegesis a, a study of the of the text for this sunday which will help to encourage people to preach and uh, and to do that well and really engage with the scriptures but what i found is i've been really blessed by it myself i, I found it really fascinating to just spend more and more time in the scriptures and when you when you know you're doing it for other people you have to work harder yourself you know the best way to learn something is to teach somebody else uh, and so i just found god has been really speaking to me through those 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 readings and, and actually drawing prayer out of me as well so you know i see this amazing banquet jesus talks about in, in matthew 21 that, that the king lays on i think wow i'm really overwhelmed that that god in his generosity lays out a feast for us i want to celebrate i want to rejoice in that and thank thank god for that so 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 god is drawing prayer out of us as he speaks to us and just going back to the sort of formal prayers as well, one of the things that, that a pattern of prayer, the Church of England, we use quite a lot. Uh, and again, it might be strange to people coming from a different tradition. It's a kind of prayer called a collect. It's called a collect because it's supposed to in the service, when you have a, a, a formal service, it gathers, it collects uh, the ideas together and sort of moves you into the next part of the service. But it always, have a, always has a common format. And the, and the format is to say, Almighty God who did something now that we're in this situation, we pray that you will do that thing again. So we might say, Almighty God, who raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, breathe your life into you know, us, your people, we, your people. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're starting our prayer, not saying, I've got an agenda, I've got needs, I have got needs, but we're starting by reminding ourselves who God is and what it is he's done. That gives us faith to say, well, look, if God did that before, then he can do it again. He's the same God. He's the same yesterday, same forever. So again, I think in all those different ways, if our prayer 
is rooted in who God is, then actually that grows our faith. And that, that encourages us to say, you know, we can ask God to be faithful. And we can ask him to do what he's done before because we've seen it in the past and we want to see it again. Ian, you have so many different examples of maybe the expansive ways in which we can pray, but uh, it did start from the sort of humble beginnings with you, just with the Acts method of prayer. It's something I was familiar with, too, from the evangelical mm. tradition. Do you have some uh, thoughts as you look back? Like, when did you start departing maybe from that method and, and that really helpful structure to maybe branch into some of these other areas and ways of praying? And, and uh, what sort of advice would you have for people that want to move that direction? I think um, I've I think I've prayed in different ways um, for a number of reasons. One is when I'm in a different life situation. Um, a couple of years after I came to faith, um, I had a very strange time for, for mm, two or three years. Actually, it was when I was beginning university, so there wasn't an easy uh, moment when I just felt God was very remote from me. It just seemed like one day I'd, God was really very real and present, and then suddenly, the, like the lights went out. And uh, I just, it, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it other than a sense of the absence of God. And that kind of drove me to pray in a particular way. It, it drove me to the Psalms in the Bible. And there's, there's a lot of Psalms, which are Psalms of longing, where the psalmist feels God's absence or feels God is not at work and is longing to, to see God again or to, or to feel close to God. So Psalm 13 was, a, was a, a Psalm that was really important to me. How long, O Lord, uh, it was the cry. That, that was a Psalm I prayed on and off for about two or three years. Um, so it was my situation which drove me, I think, to pray in a particular way. I think other things, uh, different situations, different teaching situations, again, have encouraged me to pray. Being with people who pray in a particular way has opened up new possibilities. Um, in a couple of different stages in life, I've been part of churches where what we call prayer ministry has been really important, where we uh, people who have needs would come and uh, a couple of folk would be with them and we would just want to pray God's blessing on someone and pray for the Spirit of God to come. One of the things I learned through that was that um, when, when praying for other people, I really need to know what is on God's heart for them. So I would listen to what their concern was. But then the next thing would, would, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be to go straight into praying. It would be to, to just be quiet and to wait on God and maybe even say that. Maybe say, we're just going to wait and we're just going to hear what it is God wants to do for you in this situation. And, and, and be, not be afraid to simply wait and to listen and to take time. And then um, just hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying. And when the Spirit of God, we, we sense that God is saying, okay, maybe there's a, a particular verse or a, a particular image or something that is going to help the person, then we pray using that. So again, our prayer is rooted in, in what God wants to do, because in the end, God knows, God knows better. I, I think, again, other periods of my life where I've, I mean, when I was teaching in a theological college, one of the things we were having to do to, is, is, is to help people to learn how to use the liturgy of the church. So again, that was a situation where uh, we, we, we were drawn into another way of praying. So I think for me, it, it really depends on my situation. It depends on things I've learned from other people. It depends on the particular tradition or the situation I'm involved in in the local church or in the situation I'm in. Does that does that make sense, Peter? I don't yeah, know if you've had similar... It really does. Similar I mean, yeah, it's... In terms of there's not like one, two, three, four steps. It sounds like there were seasons of life that sort of invited you into different kinds of praying. Yeah, ab absolutely. And again, I think there's a parallel there with relationships, you know, in, in a long term relationship. There are there are times in, the, in that relationship where you enjoy doing certain things together. And there are other times where you enjoy doing other stuff together, going for walks or whatever, going holidays. So and actually, as the seasons of your relationship change, then different things become important in that relationship and different things become important in communication. I, again, I, I guess most people in a marriage relationship have found that, you know, in the early years, 
some things don't need any, any work at all, that the relationship flows naturally. Other things you need to attend to things as a, as a relationship matures then, you know, um, you need to attend to different aspects of the relationship. I think the same is true in, that, in our prayer, prayer life with God as well. And one of the things I've loved, we, we've only had a dog for six years. And uh, one of the things I've discovered is that uh, just when uh, walking the dog is an amazing time to be able to pray. I, 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 I'm, I'm a very visual person. And right now here in the UK, uh, all the leaves are changing color and the place is beautiful. And I, I just walked to the park with, with Barney the dog and let him off the lead. And I tell you, my, my heart just thrills with the beauty of the creation around. I want to praise God. So, you know, I just find that, that, that this has been another season where I guess that kind of spontaneous uh, pray and, uh, prayer and praise of God has been a really, really big part of my life. And I love gardening. I think we've talked about this before. I love my garden. I've mentioned this to Bill. And again, I just get fantastic joy from the creation around me and, and, and the beautiful colors in the garden. So that, that, again, is adding another dimension, I think, to my, my life of prayer. Ian, I, I have to ask, what kind of dog is Barney? Oh, he is a mixed breed. He's, he's what we call a, a cavapoo. He's a Cavalier King Charles uh, Spaniel mixed with a poodle. <laughs> they, they have much cooler dogs over in the UK. Much than we cooler. Have here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we don't have any king, any kind of dogs here. No. Uh, stateside. So. <laughs> yeah, he's a, because he's a Cavalier. He loves just sitting on your lap and, and he loves company. He'll 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 hunt around the house to find where everyone is, and you know he's not happy until he's uh, found found where the where the family is. So. <laughs> All right, Ian. Is it acceptable to just repeatedly pray for the same thing? Obviously, when God hears our prayer, it's registered. Uh, should we be asking over and over the same thing? Uh, I think sometimes yes, and I think sometimes no. And that's because I think our prayer can arise from faith. I think it's also possible for our prayer to arise from anxiety. Hmm. So I, I I can think of times in the past where I've prayed for something and I, I've, I've, I haven't yet seen the answer and... So I felt I needed to continue to pray and pray and pray. And, and, and there are things in my life now I continue to pray repeatedly for. I pray particularly for family, for, for relationships with neighbors, with friends who are in need. Uh, I had a friend this year who was diagnosed with cancer. And so he was someone that I was praying for con constantly. I just remember every day and, and, and pray for him and, and praise the Lord. He had, he had the treatment he needed and he's, he's now cancer free. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, when, when we feel the things God is laying on our heart, we need to pray and pray and pray and pray. There are times, though, when I think for myself and I've seen in other people as well, sometimes I think um, prayer can arise from anxiety and saying, I, I, don't, I don't know if God's going to answer this. I, I need it. And sometimes we need to say we're going to lay something before the Lord in prayer. Then we need to leave it there and walk away. Mm. So, so persistence in prayer can be a good thing. I think sometimes persistence in prayer can be something where we're actually holding on to something longer than we need to. And I think we need to discern. That is so interesting. I, I never really thought of the anxiety piece right. of that of prayer. You're just obsessing with about your own anxiety. Does that ring true, Bill? Do, oh, do, does do it you? ever? Yeah. Does it ever? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you were confidently placing the prayer request in, in, in before God and saying, I trust now you completely, uh, mm -hmm. you could be able to walk away. Uh, so yeah. we'll chew on that a little bit more after the break. It is so okay. nice to be continuing our prayer series as we're going to be doing Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself for a long, long time because I don't think this is a subject that is inexhaustible. And our guest is Dr. Ian Paul. And you can just Google his name. His blog is uh, amazing. His uh, writing is spectacular. And you will uh, you will love being there. Just uh, uh, Google Ian Paul and it'll take you right to his website. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back. Lots more on prayer with our special guest.
You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Ian Paul as our guest this week on our purse series, uh, Peter, I'm learning all kinds of stuff already. Yeah, it's phenomenal, actually. Just there, we've gone a lot of different directions of this conversation, and I think my favorite part is that Ian, a couple minutes before the the show, you said that you hadn't prepped a lot for this, and you know, <laughs> seems seems quite apparent here in these rich twenty minutes. It's just amazing. So we really appreciate it. Oh, it's great to be with you. Yeah, you know, Ian, I've heard the expression "prayer warrior." It seems like when that comes out, that means you've connected with the big time pr- pray people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. wh- what does that mean to you? Do, do you hear it? when you hear that, or is that uh, a Western American thing? Yeah, I think it is in some ways. Um, But for me, it connects with with two issues, and I think they're both really, really important. Um, The first is that, um, you know, Paul says in uh, Ephesians uh, that we we are not contending with flesh and blood, but with um, spiritual powers in the heavenly realms. And it reminds us that... um, when we've encountered Jesus, when we've um, become, uh, we're, we're, we're beginning to live that life, that resurrection life of the kingdom of God, which is what happens when we, we come to faith. Uh, and scripture uses all sorts of different images for that. So one of the images is in John chapter three, it's being born again. So we're beginning to live a new life. Uh, one of my favorite books, when I, when I first came to faith, I, I was um, really encouraged by the ministry of a man called David Watson, who was, who was a really famous uh, evangelist and, and teacher. Uh, in the UK in the uh, 80s and 90s. He actually died of cancer at, um, at a quite a young age in his 40s. Um, but but he wrote a little book called Live a New Life. He said, but, you know, when you come to faith, a, a whole new thing starts. And that's the that's the symbolism in Romans chapter 6 that Paul uses in baptism, where he says, in baptism, you go down into the water and, and you're, you're being baptized into Jesus' death. Your old life is dying, and then you come back out of the water, and that's like being raised to new life in his resurrection. So you begin to, to live this resurrection life now. And that means there's a whole new dimension to the world around us, where we might previously have just have just looked at the world in quite sort of material terms and just thought, well, this is how it is. And, and Paul says, look, there's another, there's another whole dimension to life here. There are, there are spiritual forces at work in our world. Now, you can get a bit carried away with that and become a little bit paranoid and kind of see demons under every bed. I think that's what Paul is talking about. But he's saying that there's a spiritual significance to things that are happening in the world. Therefore, actually, it's people who pray faithfully who are actually engaging in the things that really matter. Um, and, and I've heard stories about, um, you know, new life coming into a church, for example, and, and then people have discovered there's been a group of older people who've been praying faithfully for years that God would, would, would bless and come and, and bring the new life. And, and eventually, after many years, that, that prayer is answered. Um, so that's certainly one dimension of it. We, we need to recognize that, that there's a spiritual dimension here and we're stepping into that the moment we begin to pray. Uh, And the second thing I think is it reminds me of Paul's discussion of the gifts of the Spirit as well, where in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the way that the the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people. So to one person, he'll give a gift of a prophetic word where they bring God's perspective to a situation. Uh, For another person, he'll give them a a, a gift of speaking in tongues and and then yet another person to interpret that in the the assembly together so that it's understood. And, and, And Paul says to another person, he'll give a gift of faith 
And I think that's partly to do with prayer. Uh, I've always understood that as being, say, somebody saying, okay, there's something here God wants to do, and they can see that that's where God is at, and they want to pray that into reality. So I think people who I see as prayer warriors are people who, who've got a sense of faith that God's going to God's going to act, God's going to come and, and, and do something particular, and they pray into that to, to enable that to happen, to engage in that kind of spiritual struggle so that what God wants to do uh, will come about. Ian, we were just uh, reading in Acts chapter 9 as a family last night. Uh, after the conversion of Saul to Paul, the story returns to Peter briefly, and there's a story of him walking uh, around where he was, and he ended up uh, healing a man who hadn't been able to walk for quite some time, and then he walked into another room and uh, raised Tabitha from the dead. And, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are about what their worldview was at that time and, and the capacity to not just pray in a certain kind of way, but, but it seemed like they had a power available to them at that time that seems utterly foreign to me in the 21st century. Yeah, and um, th that connects as well with what, something that Jesus says in the end of John's Gospel, where he says to, uh, in this the final supper discourse, he says that, um, you know, you will do even greater things than I've done. So, And some people would say that, uh, that you know, you hear stories, particularly in other countries, it always seems to be in other countries, where <laughs> these are miraculous, miraculous <laughs> things happen. Um, yeah, I guess I want to hold on to these. I want to hold on to these things, uh, but hold on to them quite realistically. Um, we do see in Acts these remarkable things happening. Uh, it's just worth noticing that they don't happen very often. I mean, how many years does the Acts of the Apostles cover? Well, it covers from Pentecost, and then covers right through almost the end of Paul's ministry. So that's covering 20 years worth, I guess. Now, how many times does someone raise the dead? So... Once, twice in 20 years. So so I think it's just worth us being really realistic. And, and when you read through Acts, actually, there's like a five years or maybe even a decade between some of these miraculous things. So first of all, yes, God does these amazing things. And of course, one of the things that Luke's trying to teach us as well is that there's a connection between the ministry of the, the Acts and the early church with the ministry of Jesus. And he does that very, very cleverly, actually, at the very beginning of Acts. I don't think you've ever noticed. Uh, in the beginning of Acts, in, in my translation, I'm just looking at Acts chapter 1. And the very first verse where uh, where Luke says this, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the time he was taken up to heaven. Well, OK, so what he's saying is I'm now going to tell you of all the things that Jesus continues to do and to teach uh, it through the uh, early believers, through the early church. So Luke is certainly saying there's continuity here. And of course, in Luke's gospel, we've, we've read in. Um, uh, oh, reference i think it's luke, luke chapter 7 where jesus raises the widow of Nain's son and so one of the things that, that luke is doing to us is helping us see the parallels between the ministry of peter and of paul uh, and, and drawing a parallel with the ministry of jesus now that's not to say that we are jesus but it is to say that if the spirit of jesus is with us then we should begin to see some of the things that jesus was doing uh, in our own uh, life and ministry so God directed Jesus. We should be able to hear God's voice in the way that Jesus did. God strengthened Jesus in, in temptation. We should expect that. God answered Jesus' prayer. The Father answered Jesus' prayer when he prayed things, and, and so we should expect to see that. So I would say that Luke is telling us, don't see a massive discontinuity between Jesus and yourself. See see continuity. This is the same ministry. It's the same kingdom ministry that we're, we're, we're caught up into. Um, but on the other hand, this didn't happen all that often, and I, I don't think it happens all that often. Uh, one of the one of the dangers of praying in this way, praying for other people uh, and talking about faith, is that 
what do you do when the prayer isn't, isn't answered? What do you do when you don't yet see the answer? And, and one of the things we need to be realistic about is that, yeah, we are beginning to live the life of the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God is breaking in by his spirit. And so we, we can hear God. We can see answers to prayer. But we know that, and this is really important, we know that the kingdom of God won't be fully realized here on earth until Jesus returns. So, so in our lives, when we pray, we're always going to have a mixture of seeing amazing answers to prayer, seeing things happening, but also sometimes not seeing that thing happen that we wanted to. So, you know, I've got friends who who who've prayed for others who have cancer and and it seems as though their prayer that God would heal this person hasn't been answered and the, and the person has died. And the da- the real danger is we say it's our fault. Uh, we haven't had enough faith or we haven't prayed hard enough or even worse than that for the person we're praying for we say to them well it's your fault you you haven't been healed because you haven't got enough faith. And Jesus really clearly rebukes that. You know when he when he's um praying for when he's laying hands on the man born blind in, in John 9. He's really clear. The disciples say, well, whose fault is it that this man hasn't been healed? You know, whose fault is it that he's sick? Is it his sin? Jesus says, look, none of that. Forget that. This is about, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about him. It's actually about God doing his work, about glorifying God. And I think that's a really important perspective to hold on to when we pray for people. We pray in faith that God is present and God is at work. And in fact, uh, one member of our congregation, she's actually now in ministry, she did experience a miraculous healing. And it was actually videoed. You can find it on YouTube. And her, uh, it was a classic, kind of a classic story. She had an accident and um, one of her legs didn't grow back properly. She had le- uh, legs a different length and, and someone prayed for her and her leg did grow back. Uh, and it just miraculously before, before people's eyes. So it can happen. I, I believe it does happen. I know this person. Uh, and I believe her testimony. Um, but the danger is we focus on the the, the, the circus fact or the, the, the pyrotechnics, you know, the spectacular stuff, when actually uh, it's really about us being open to God doing what God wants to do. I, I'm really struck when Jesus heals people. Very often he takes them away from the crowd. He takes them away secretly mm-hmm. because he's not he's not praying for people to be healed in order to show them off as some kind of circus act. He preserves people's dignity. And, and what matters is that they know that God loves them and, and, and wants to bring that healing. In fact, my friend said for her, the most important thing wasn't actually the miracle of a leg lengthening. What was really important was the miracle in her recognizing God's love. And I think we need to really, really keep that perspective. That's really, really interesting. Ian, when you hear that we're supposed to pray without ceasing, and then in Matthew 26, uh, verse 41, Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I understand the praying part. Can you add anything to the watching part? Well, I discovered something quite interesting uh, recently about that, uh, and that is that the word there, the Greek word there, is gregoreo. I knew that. that means, yeah. <laughs> of course I so knew if that. You, if you've got a friend called Gregory... <laughs> I don't know. It's not that common a name. Oh, actually, Greg, Greg in the States, Greg is a pretty popular name. Oh, it's very, it? it's yeah, very yeah, popular. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you know anyone called Greg, their name is derived from that verse. So it, it, the name was given to popes. Pope Gregory was a very famous pope. Uh, and because it was someone who was who was alert. Now, Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, don't fall asleep. But actually, in the New Testament, that language isn't really about physical sleep. It's really about 
staying awake with the eyes of faith. You know, one of the metaphors Jesus uses is that um, he's the light of the world, but we're living in, a, in, in darkness, we're living in an age of darkness. And therefore we are to live as people of the light, in the light. We're to, we're to stay late, uh, stay awake and keep watch. So this is really about saying, be spiritually alert. Keep your eyes open. See what's going on around you. Uh, look at the opportunities uh, for praying. One of the things I've just felt recently in the last couple of weeks is that I, I really want to... I really want to find opportunities to pray for people more. Uh, so, you know, if I have a conversation, I think especially at the moment in this whole thing about the pandemic and, you know, we're just entering a, in two days time, another lockdown here in the UK. And so people are feeling really discouraged. So I, I've got into a couple of habits. One habit is when I'm writing an email to somebody, email exchange, not just to do the business, but to add on the bottom saying, by the way, how are you doing? Just to, just to you know, express concern so that they can say that. And sometimes they write back and say, oh, thanks for asking and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and when I've had a conversation with somebody, I'm trying to get into the habit of saying at the end, it's great to exchange your news. But tell me, before we finish, what can I pray for you for for the next day, week or whatever? And to just try and incorporate that into conversation. And, and I will say, because it's, it's, I'm not going to conferences, I'm not meeting friends at, at, at social events and so on. So I'm actually, almost every week, I'm making sure I have a kind of a Zoom coffee with somebody, you know, where you, you, you prearrange to meet up virtually and you make yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever. And you just chat informally uh, over the internet, over Zoom. And um, I did that last week with a friend of mine who's uh, also a, a scholar and a, and a, and a pastor. And we, we, had a, we had a great time catching up. And then I, I just said, what can I pray for you for? And he, he said there's various different challenges. I just felt I needed to pray for him right there. Mm -hmm. So we were on Zoom. We were on Zoom. And we were, we were sitting in front of our computer screens. But I kind of wanted to hold my hands out and pray God's blessing on my friend. And we, I tell you, we had a really holy, a real, I just had a Holy Spirit moment. You know, <laughs> Right. I felt tangibly the presence of God's spirit coming on me as I was praying for him and, and, and praying that God will bless him and, and build up his ministry. And he's got some he's got some challenges. He's, he's got children who a couple of disabled children. So life is, is challenging for him, particularly in, in lockdown times. And uh, so it was great to be able to pray for him. So I again, I'd really encourage, you know, all the listeners saying, look, try and weave prayer into your life and your relationships. And, you know, if, if you meet up with a friend, then just just before you go, say, hey, my friend, what can I pray for you for this next next week or so? And then just keep in touch, you know, yeah. maybe a week's time, drop an email, say, hey, I've been praying for that. How, how, did, it, how did it go? I love that. And, and I love that story. All right, Ian Paul is our guest. We're taking a little break. We'll be right back with lots more. You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Ian Paul as our guest as we continue our series on prayer, which we're going to be doing for many, many, many weeks because we're loving it. Uh, Ian, I'm curious, uh, right before we went to break, we were talking about the watch and pray and I'm thinking uh, an attack from the enemy has very little uh, forewarning, doesn't it? So the hmm. whole idea of watching and being alert and being uh, yeah. in a place of readiness is going to make a big difference as to how we can respond in the moment. Mm. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, and, and part of that is about, you know, our, our sort of frameworks of discipline as well. So uh, it's, it's easier to pray for folks spontaneously if prayer is a habit. <laughs> hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and it's easy. It's easier to, you know, share encouragement from the scriptures if uh, 
you know, the reading reading of scriptures is is a habit. Now, again, we just need to be really careful not to make this a, a, a kind of a burden. You know, when we're when we're trying to be disciplined in our prayer life and and, and just take time each day to pray with God uh, and to and to read the scriptures. Uh, we're not doing that to prove to God anything. We're not doing that to merit anything. We're, we're doing that just to feed our relationship. Um, uh, again, the, the the pattern of of, of human relationships is one we can we can learn from. Um, you know, as our marriage went on, I, I I learned that one of the things my wife loves to do is at the end of the day she loves to to sit down and talk through the day and and, and talk about the sort of things that have been happening and process things. And I just thought, well, that's that's could become a, a really important part of the structure of our relationship. And, and that's meant for me. I, I I've been again something which has comes from more of a a structured tradition, theological tradition. Um, is is a thing, and I don't know if any of your listeners will have heard of this. I don't. This is something you've come across. Um, I find it really helpful. A thing called a rule of life, uh, and again, this comes from the more sort of monastic tradition, where you know, in in, in a monastery, a, a community of monks or nuns, they actually have a, a rule of life, a pattern of life they sign up to, and the idea is not for that to be a burden, but it's actually to be something that is releasing, so that you can you can form these helpful habits. You don't have to think about it you don't have to kind of like work up the energy do i feel like praying now you say well okay look if if every morning when i get up in a half past seven i just spend five minutes in prayer if that's my helpful habit i don't have to kind of work myself up to it or feel enthusiastic that's just the kind of thing i do you know when i get up in the morning i i brush my teeth i have a shower i don't i don't think do i feel like having a shower now do i feel like brushing my teeth you just kind of do it you know you just get on with it you know it's good for you you get in the habit you just get on and do it so i think if we can if we can form these helpful habits of doing different things then uh, through the day and through the week uh, then it just it just leads into you know the spontaneity of, of prayer and relationship as well um, and, and I've actually written my rule of life down. So from time to time, uh, one year to the next, I'll actually go through and read what my rule is and say, am I, am I doing that? Am I, am, am I living that pattern of prayer? Am I living that pattern of scripture reading? Am I, am I sharing my story of faith with other people? And one of the things that might, might seem slightly odd is one of my parts of my rule of life is to think about my own death because we are all mortal. And I, I tell you what, just remembering that one day we're all going to die really puts things in perspective, I tell you. Um, but that's actually been a fruitful spiritual discipline for me. Hmm. Um, but I review that and say, well, okay, am I am I living out these these, these habits and uh, and are they helpful? And and something again, I put at the bottom of my rule of life, which I think is really important, is to say, if I do these things, it's by God's grace. If I don't do them, it's with God's forgiveness. And again, our habits of praying, I think it's really important to recognize that God is the one who is drawing us into prayer. So if we do, if our if our prayer life is enriching and we're we're seeing great answers to prayer and we're blessing other people, that's fantastic. And and to God be the glory. It's by His grace we do it. If we fail to do that, that's okay. He forgives us. He still loves us. Uh, he just wants to call us into uh, you know a, a fuller a fuller pattern of life. Mm-hmm. Here's a simple question, Ian: Does uh, prayer change God's mind? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really simple question. I knew you were going to. I knew you were going to ask that. And uh, actually, I do teach a, a, a course on uh, themes in biblical theology, and this is one of those subjects we tackle. We do a thing on providence, and saying, well, you know, does God decide everything? Is he? Is he? God is God unchanging in the sense that you know we don't change His mind. And I think the scriptural evidence says both yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, the scriptural evidence says God is sovereign. God. God knows what He's doing. Uh, uh, God isn't um, uh, God, God isn't frustrated in His purposes. He will achieve what He wants to do. But also in the Scriptures, 
you see God listening. And again, you actually see the phrase, God repented of what he was going to do. God changed his mind in response to prayer, in, resp in the response on Mount Sinai to Moses pleading for his people, do not destroy these people, and God, God, God relents. Now, the difficulty we have in, in making sense of that language is that it's written as if God inhabits time in the way that we do. And of course, God does not. And I found really helpful in thinking about this is uh, there's, there's something that C.S. Lewis actually wrote in um, in Mere Christianity. He says, if we think about the decisions we make and the actions we do and the way we go through life, if we think about it as a kind of tracing a line on a piece of paper, God is the piece of paper. God is the God is the context for everything we do. So if we if we're thinking is god are we going to change god's mind are we not going to change god's mind the danger is we're thinking that god is within time uh in a way that uh, in a way that we are and of course that isn't the case and another illustration as c.s lewis talks about this a bit more he, he used the illustration suppose i'm writing a novel and suppose i i write that the 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 the, the main character does x action whatever and then i put my pen down and i go and get a cup of tea and a coffee whatever, <laughs> and, I, and i carry the story on within the story the next action was followed straight away on. But of course, I'm not trapped in the, the timeline of the story. So that doesn't worry me that the time there isn't isn't affecting me in the same way it's affecting the character of the story. He says God is like God is above our time. So the, the two things that scriptures say are God is sovereign. God will fulfill his purposes on the one hand. On the other hand, God is compassionate and he hears us and he responds to us. And actually, once we recognize God is beyond time, I think those two things are no longer a, a contradiction. And Ian, in terms of being beyond time, that would also tend to mean that God is simply just present and just is. And, and when he reveals yep. himself to Moses, you know, I am what I am. I will be what I will be. And, and in that, you, you referenced something very early, and we just have a couple minutes left here, but you talked about the idea of living through a season where you sense God's absence. And would you say, mm -hmm. Ian, that it, it wasn't necessarily because God was suddenly not present, like maybe he was busy somewhere else doing something else, but but maybe there is something that we learned or that God even allows for the absence, uh, sense of his absence so that we can learn something in that process? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and again, Scripture talks about this, about, about God's well, it does talk about God testing Israel, God testing his people. Um, I certainly, for me, that period of my life was a time, I would say, a time of growing up. And I think as I look back, one of the things I realized is that it was fine for me when I was new to faith, that everything felt great, and everything felt wonderful. And, you know, I felt on top of everything. And it was a really important time for learning for me. And I put all sorts of foundations down. But actually, that period when I, I, I it felt as though God was absent. It felt like it was a maturing process, a bit mm. like, you know, with a child, a child begins to grow up uh, in relationship to their parents. And, you know, when the child is young, the parents are just there all the time and doing everything for them. And the child cries and the parent comes straight away and turns. But actually, your relationship has to mature beyond that. And, and for me, it felt like a real process of maturing. And, and in a sense, God was saying to me, well, it was great that you were disciplined in praying and reading the scriptures when it felt great, when it felt good. Are you going to carry on even when it doesn't? And, and that that is a sign of, of growing maturity in faith where we will say, you know, uh, it's a, it's uh, again, the, 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 the kind of prayer or the, the episode that, that I love is in um, in, again, book of the book of Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are being, about to be cast in the fiery furnace. And they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, they say, God can rescue us. But if not, we still will not bow down. I love that phrase. But if not, you know, when life goes great, life goes well, we praise God, we'll do all the disciplines. But if not. Will we still be faithful?
and, and, mm. and it's that kind of faith which is mature faith and and i think the seasons the ups and downs of seasons in our prayer life i think are are the times when 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 we're in those downtimes they're the times when our faith is being refined and matured and and so yeah that's i think that's really important you touched on an interesting point Ian. we'll, we'll have a couple of minutes left but when god does say no obviously most most of us would prefer that he agree with how we uh, requested whatever it is we're requesting <laughs> but when he says no or not yet you know as uh, as as children of a loving father we mm. should be saying yes lord thy will be done yeah and that's not easy and oh, I know. um Again, one of the kind of formulas which helped me in the early days was that, you know, God always answers prayer, I was told. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. Mm -hmm. And again, I think uh, uh, in the beginning I found that was quite a helpful formula. That was a helpful way of categorizing it. Um, I I think as I have got older, I think I also recognize that that praying is also about um, what's happening with me. And again, the analogy I've sometimes used is that when, I, when I'm praying, when I'm, I'm waiting on God about something, it's a little bit like if you've ever done decorating with wallpaper. If you ever put wallpaper up, painting a wall is easy. Putting up wallpaper is really tricky. <laughs> and if you've, got a, if, you've, if you've got a pattern in the, in the paper, what you have to do is you've got one strip of wallpaper up on the wall, and then you've got a, you're putting up the other one. And what you have to do, you have to put it on the wall, and then you have to gradually move it so it aligns, so that the pattern runs over from one to the other. And I guess I also feel that for me sometimes when I'm praying, and I'm waiting on God and thinking about something before God, or even, even here's another metaphor, remembering someone before God. If I don't know what to pray for, I just remember them in God's presence. That's, again, language in the, that the Scripture uses. When I'm doing those things, it's almost as if I've got that wallpaper and, and God's helping me to line up and align you know, what I'm longing for, what I'm hoping to see, mm-hmm. what I desire, aligning with, the, with his will and his pattern. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that, that that doesn't mean we're just about, it's just about conforming, but it is about, it is about, you know, lining up our desires with the desires that God has for us and, and for our world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ian, it's once again been an amazing, amazing. hour. Just wonderful. I so appreciate you, and I, I just feel like uh, such a kinship. I, I wish that I was living... Uh, over on your side of the in pond Nottingham, in, right? in, Not- in Nottingham, <laughs> in Nottingham. Yep. we were going yeah, out you know, to lunch regularly. One, one day when all this COVID stuff is over, we'll you know we'll look, get together. Look forward yeah. to that. Thank Love you that. so much for being our guest. Great, great to be with you. Yeah, what a great show today has been. Thank you so much for listening, and I pray that you have a wonderful night uh, as you put your head on that pillow. Know that God is working out His great plan for you. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.